0: the cnbc app global market news in one place customizable sections and personalized alerts stocks tracking interactive charts and market insights all in your hands stay connected stay informed download the cnbc app today good morning everybody welcome to the program this is sportbox and these are your headlines the bird is freed elon musk completes his $44 billion takeover of Twitter, immediately ousting the CEO and CFO and taking to his new platform to confirm that deal. And that line is, of course, from his own personal Twitter account. Almost $800 billion wiped off big tech market caps so far this week as a combination of underwhelming earnings, weak outlooks and runaway costs spook investors in that sector.
1: Amazon and Apple could add to those sharp losses today as the e-commerce giant issues a weak outlook for the crucial holiday quarter and Apple misses on iPhone revenues. The euro edges below parity to the dollar after the ECB hikes rates by 75 basis points again and tightens lending conditions for the banks, while President Christine Lagarde warns of further hikes to come.
2: Have we completed the job? Have we finished the normalization of our monetary policy as we have called it? No. There is still ground to cover.
1: Elon Musk is now in charge of Twitter. The Tesla CEO had until today to finalize his $44 billion acquisition or face a court battle. Twitter shares will be suspended from the NYSE today and removed from the S&P 500 on Tuesday. They're up more than 25% this year after Musk proposed a sale price of $54.20 a share in April. The CEO, Parag Agrawal, and finance chief Ned Segal have now left the company according to our sources. Well, Arjun has more. Arjun, this has been a fairly torturous battle, but it seems like it's culminating at the point where tech stocks are now plunging on the back of earnings, just give us a sense of day one for Elon Musk, really.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's already sort of began to make the pitch to advertising. He put out a a big tweet statement saying uh, that or trying to reassure advertisers, at least because there is this fear that when he takes over, uh, he has called himself a free speech absolutist. Many fear that perhaps this could mean he brings a bunch of people who have already been banned back to the platform, that sort of some of this free speech could get out of control. But he's saying to advertisers, Twitter obviously cannot become a free-for-all hellscape, he said, where anything can be said with no consequences. He's trying to calm advertisers here, and he's saying that he Twitter aspires to be the most respected advertising platform. So that's his number one task here, is to make sure that a number of advertisers don't flee the platform on the fear that it becomes a place where they can't really serve ads uh, to users for fear of those ads being served up to some controversial content i think that's his first task secondly i think his big task is going to be making sure morale at the company remains high we know a lot of uh, people employees are worried about what his tenure might look like as well he's already cleared out the ceo the head of legal the cfo as well so keeping morale is going to be pretty uh, key and I think the third task really is to lay out a vision not just to employees but to investors as well what exactly does Twitter under Elon Musk look like and those are questions uh, that we don't have the answers to yet do we know what the sink was about do we do we have definitive uh, on the sink
0: because I think everybody looked at it and they thought sink kitchen sinking layoffs restructuring but then there was this whole alternative uh, meme about how he was basically just taking his own uh, t- uh, sink to the executive suite that he, he was going to be operating in. But that that one didn't seem very sensible either.
3: It could so be. what what does it mean, uh, Arjun? We, we don't know. Let's throw out a few answers shall we firstly it could literally be he needs to put a new sink in his office i mean that's let's not discount that one uh, there is the kitchen sinking there is the layoffs there have been a number of reports suggesting that elon musk plans to do 75 percent uh, or cut 75 percent of the stuff that's huge there is a report out in the last few hours from bloomberg saying actually it's not going to be 75 percent but there certainly will be some layoffs uh, to the twitter staff. so that's one i guess um Uh, answer. The other one was what his tweet was saying. Let that sink in. I'm now in charge of Twitter. Well, given how much plumbers (laughs) charge these days, I'm not surprised if he feels inclined
0: to do it himself, even though he is one of the richest men in the world.
1: The messaging, though, important, I think, if it is about kitchen sinking, because that's been one of the major criticisms of this earnings season, that uh, a lot of big companies are just not taking the right moves at this point in the cycle, that revenues are falling aggressively, and while they can't do much about that in this cycle, what they can do is really tackle the expenses side, which Meta, frankly, hasn't done.
3: Absolutely, and that's going to be key, particularly in this advertising environment. Twitter still relies heavily on ad revenues and not only uh, has the stock plummeted we've now got a, a, a sort of macro environment where budgets are being cut by advertisers where they're holding off perhaps and some of that and also they're questioning the uh, twitter as a platform for advertising as competition rises from the likes of tiktok as well so it's a big task for elon musk and i think you know he is starting to take this seriously putting out that big statement trying to reassure advertisers on that as well but it is going to be about cost control in this environment I would not be surprised if we do see large layoffs of Twitter because as you mentioned, Meta said they're going to increase uh, or some of those losses at its Reality Labs uh, metaverse division, if you will, um, and that was not taken well by the market. And so cost control is going to be key for the next few quarters for sure.
0: How discriminating do you think the market is being? with these growth companies. I mean, I looked at the uh, performance of the Nasdaq yesterday. Um, Obviously, Meta was a a big influencer. Um, But the Nasdaq, you know, had a pretty rough session and we know that um, it's been caught up in a lot of indiscriminate selling. But I do wonder, if we're getting to a point where the Fed is pausing, the markets are reconsidering the possibility of buying growth now at a more reasonable price, then do we see some real discrimination coming in here or is this still people selling what they can sell getting away from technology.
3: I I think you are starting to see that actually, Jeff. I mean, if we just look at the earnings this week and the the share price reaction as a result, you've seen Amazon uh, plunge double digits uh, percentage uh, meta as well. And that was on the fact that they sort of delivered some pretty bad news to the market, rising costs as well. Apple, on the other hand, it did beat on top and bottom line But there was still weakness in iPhones and in services, yet the stock was pretty flat after hours. So you are starting to see that. And even with Microsoft uh, earlier this week, it was down around 6% after the results, uh, even though uh, sort of the results were, were sort of. They had missed uh, in certain parts, but they still were showing growth. And so I think the market's saying, well, look, we know certain companies, large cash piles, they're playing into some of these trends that we think are not going away, such as cloud computing, etc. However, you know, we know companies like Facebook are running out of control with costs in the ad market. itself. So there is that discrimination happening at this point. Can I
1: just float a concept too? I mean, we've got Elon Musk over Twitter now talking about freeing the bird, which suggests that it was caged of some sort. And we know there have been a whole heap of privacy issues so what exactly are you trying to achieve here in terms of freeing a speech but then also ensuring that it's not a freefall I mean it's, it's very confusing at this point but I think what jumps out is during this earnings season we haven't had as much focus on data privacy and security we haven't had that conversation, we've had one very much on the earnings destruction, the revenue destruction, but if Elon Musk uncovers something or you know fesses up, uh, he finds something at Twitter, it might uh, just take us right back to where we started with this huge uh, focus, a huge allegations around the the tackling of data privacy in the industry
3: yeah absolutely and yeah. i mean data privacy is going to be something that uh will need to be in focus I mean, we've already seen it big in europe uh at the moment over the last few years with gdpr but i think also um in the us there are those conversations happening around how to regulate data how to regulate some of these tech companies and that's a conversation certainly uh that's not going away Terrific. Arjun, thank you very much indeed. Uh, How are the markets then, Karen?
0: Well,
1: we've got the big tech players to show you over the course of this week, and I think what jumps out clearly is the meta story this week today. Performance now after the plunge yesterday, it's lost a quarter of its value. Incredible falls, and you'll see what that uh, means over the course of this year shortly. Uh, The other trades, Amazon down 7%, so we're talking high. Single digit declines here. Market leader, don't forget back in the day, Microsoft 6% south, and uh, on Alphabet, eight percent plus uh, in terms of uh, the losses it's uh, tallied up this week. The exception has been Netflix. I-, I just want to say, of course, we're waiting for the caveat here that we've got a trade uh, that is still yet to materialise around earnings reaction to a couple of these stocks, Apple and Amazon. So we may see uh, a different uh, point for the weekend finish by the end of the trade today. But uh, I want to take you to this twenty-four percent level. We can switch over the charts for Meta, the week-to-day performance, that uh, enormous plunge that we've seen in context it now means we're down 70 percent so incredible reversal for that stock those who have been betting on mark zuckerberg knowing something about technology that they do not and that there'll be some resilience in earnings because this is a major player in the uh, digital ad world where you can see that story just has not carried any sway when it comes to the stock market performance this year but uh, in terms of how it's tracking versus the peers netflix the only other one in similar territory, down 50%. The rest of the names more modest in terms of those declines, particularly for Apple, down 18%, it's been a clawback trade for that stock a little bit over the course of this year, but still a double digit declines, an uh, um, incredible reversal in terms of overall stock performance, but versus the peers, slightly better performance, 32 to 36, 33 roughly. Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon seem to be in the same vein in terms of that underperformance. So uh, what is really jumping out if you just take a look at these two is just how different the fortunes have been for apple and for meta well let's just take a look at meta in session see the contribution that came through yesterday on the back of the earnings reaction and down as you can see 24.5 percent it was an incredible journey and over the course of the trading session you could see it was really right into the finishing stages where we saw some of that decline a bit of a pop into the end finally in the last minutes but The destruction very much one where investors saw uh, the uh, violent reaction on markets yesterday to that story, Jeff
0: terrific Karen thank you. Apple shares rose slightly then in extended trade after the company beat Wall Street expectations in the fiscal fourth quarter. The tech giant posting 90 billion dollars in revenue up more than 8% year over year but revenue in core categories such as iPhones and services fell short of expectations. Amazon shares fell in after hours trade after the company missed on revenue expectations and posted disappointing guidance for its upcoming quarter. The e-commerce giant Reporting $127 billion in revenue, with its key category Amazon Web Services posting a lower than expected $20.5 billion in revenue. Giving us a heads up on the markets this morning, Dan Scott, Head of Multi Asset at Vontabel Asset Management. Dan, good morning to you. Um, let, let me pick up on the theme that we started in on with Arjun about how discriminating the market is being around these growth stocks at the moment how do you feel about re-entering any of these businesses at this point given how far they've fallen
4: well look you you know jeff that and good morning thanks for having me on Um, You know that just very recently, we decided to reduce our cash positioning and slowly dip our toes back in the water and take our equity positioning to a cautious overweight. Um, We didn't do it by buying tech stocks, though. What we've done is we've closed our underweight position in European equities, where we thought that the valuations had just become too appealing. uh, And a lot of the macro headwinds are starting to fall away, or at least one critical one, and that's gas prices. Um, And we also decided to close our short position on Japanese yen via Japanese equities, because we felt that um, they're likely were probably at a low as well. So um, overall, we remain defensive in our equities positioning. It tends to be companies that have strong balance sheet, good free cash flow, um, that have good dividend yields. We wouldn't go out the risk spectrum and start buying tech just yet, uh, because that's likely not going to see a sustainable recovery until you see pivot in Fed speak, and we've started to have the very first signals like from Mary Daly, but she's not a voting member. Um, You've had a softening of the language from Kashkari, and then you've had Bullard making some, you know, somewhat dovish comments, but it's not enough yet. Really, we need the market to understand that, you know, we've had an end to the hiking cycle, where we have some sort of a security about where the terminal rate's going to be before tech stocks can take off again, and we're just not there yet.
0: I spent my uh, my day down at Canary Wharf yesterday um, talking to Credit Suisse about the restructuring plan there. Given that we have you up from Zurich this morning, can I just ask you whether you think Credit Suisse now is beginning to look more attractive? I note that uh, Finnews.com, uh, which is a, a Swiss financial uh, news uh, journal, basically called the steps that they've been taken fairly unattractive and they said it was criminal and I quote directly that the federal government and the authorities are silently watching on as the Swiss takes in a major uh, this Swiss bank takes in a major Saudi investor Um, is this bank coming anywhere close to pulling out of these self-inflicted wounds
4: uh, yeah, I'm not sure where to start. There's so many elements of that question, Jeff. But maybe we start with the least uh, controversial part, which is valuations. I mean, you know, you buy Credit Suisse shares for the same price as a cup of coffee. So, um, you know, up to you on where you think uh, or what you think has more upside. Um, Yeah, you know, there's a reason why the valuations are where they are on Credit Suisse. I mean, obviously, the market knew or was pricing in the dilution. Um, Now we have, you know, a shareholder with the Saudis uh, on board Um, The the capital structure is one thing. The valuations are another thing. Most important, though, is that you'd have some sort of conviction that the core business um, is going to recover. And there's some jewels still in there. I mean, wealth management is a very strong franchise, international wealth management, as well as the Swiss Bank. Um, but unfortunately um, they've been witnessing outflows when others have been seeing inflows. So from that perspective, you know, the reputational damage has started to leave its mark on the core business. And that really is um, not a positive development. So, you know, um, I think that the banking sector in general right now has become a lot more attractive because of the developments on net interest margins uh, but you probably are not going to end up with Credit Suisse at the end of your investment um, you know, uh, process because there are just so many other banks that right now have fewer problems and and a clearer trajectory to further upside.
1: Uh, Dan, I wonder whether we're down to a moment uh, now in time where it's about management execution on expenses. I mean, we are talking about the banks and also technology companies. The banks, it seems, are well used to that uh, economic cycle and how to go in and trim headcounts uh, very aggressively, how to pull back on risk. But we just are not seeing the same type of manoeuvres from technology that have had an incredible uh, upbeat to run for many, many years. So do you think at this point we now need to look at the execution of the C-suite?
4: Well, i sorry, I, was, um, I, I missed a question. Were you asking me whether tech is cutting jobs fast
1: enough? I'm asking you whether now it's about execution in the C-suite, that the type uh-huh. of manoeuvring to tackle expenses is going to be quite key in this cycle, which is really hitting everyone from tech to
4: banks. Yes, absolutely. But I think we've already started seeing it. Um, you know, I, you, you start seeing it in the rolling over of the jobs data in the U.S. Really, um, it's, it's been a weakening in terms of postings, uh, you know, the unemployment rate still, you know, showing strength of the economy. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of those postings coming back down, I think, um, you know, the first step is that corporations, of course, try and fix it organically, you know, not replacing people that leave uh, before they go through like big cuts um, but in, and in order to justify cuts, you need outlooks like we got from Amazon, right? I mean, you know, the reported quarter was great. 15% growth in revenue, that's great. That's what I'm looking for in a tech stock. The problem is the outlook, you know, 2 to 8% growth. That's not what I'm looking for in a tech stock. So um, when you have that kind of subdued outlook on revenue, then of course, yeah, you need to start looking at cost management. And I think um, jobs are going to have to weaken. That's, that's a further piece of the puzzle um, for us as allocators, actually. We need to see not only inflation rolling over. We've seen headline inflation roll over. Now we need to see core coming down more meaningfully. And actually, we'd like to see unemployment ticking higher because that's going to allow you know, us to understand where the terminal rate is and is going to allow the Fed to start changing the language, start talking about stopping or thinking about talking about stopping. That's going to give the market some security. So, yeah, that's the next piece of the puzzle we're, we're still waiting for.
1: And Dan, I want to extract the comments on gold because I can see in your research that you keep saying keep an overweight on gold. I haven't seen that in a lot of research notes of late. <laughs> What's attractive about it?
4: Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm happy to take the heat there. You know, um, gold has uh, obviously, you know, the, 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 the biggest correlation is an in cor- inverse correlation to rates. And so as long as we don't know how much further rates are going to go up, gold prices are likely not going to, to, uh, to, to go up. Um, so, And the strength of the dollar, of course, has also been a real challenge. Keep in mind, this is really just a currency issue that we have on the strength uh, in dollar, why you see gold being weak. If you price gold in euro, we're at record highs, but obviously that doesn't do as much good. It's, it's hurt our performance. I have it in the portfolios and I still believe that you need to have a position in gold in the portfolios because it's the best insurance policy. You know, so, yeah, I give up you know, any yields um, on this asset, but I don't pay uh, for protection in terms of having derivatives in my portfolios. So that's why I have gold in there. It's a great hedge.
0: Dan, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for that. We'll see you on another day. Dan Scott, Head of Multi Asset at Vontabel Asset Management. The US economy grew for the first time this year in the third quarter. GDP accelerated faster than expected, coming in at 2.6%. It follows two consecutive quarters of contraction, meeting a commonly accepted definition of recession. The growth came in part due to a narrowing trade deficit, which economists had expected and considered to be a one-off occurrence that won't be repeated in future quarters.
1: Let's talk about what's coming up today as the U.S. P.C. data is due out later on. The Fed's preferred inflation gauge. This is effectively the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index. It's expected to show inflation rising 5.2% on the year in September versus 4.9% growth in August. It comes just days ahead of the Fed's next interest rate decision, where the FOMC is expected to unveil another 75 basis point hike. Well, coming up on the show, the ECB doubles down on fighting inflation, hiking rates by 75 basis points for the second straight meeting. We'll have more next.
0: And catch up with the podcast, Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter and his plans for the company feature strongly. I recommend it. Let's call this little segment Central Bank Roundup. Mm. The Bank of Japan has lifted its inflation outlook through to 2024 and warned that risks are skewed to the upside. The central bank maintaining rates at ultra low levels, as expected, with the country yet to see the same persistent rampant inflation as elsewhere in the world. The ECB has hike rates by 75 basis points for the second straight meeting with uh, ECB President Christine Lagarde warning there is more ground to cover. The central bank also scaled back its support for European lenders but gave no indication as to when it will start reducing its balance sheet. Well, Jamana is back with us from Breezy, Frankfurt. She's here in the London studio to talk us through exactly what the glide path on rates looks like from here on in Jamana.
5: That's right, Jeff. So let's just start with the main announcement. A hike of 75 basis points. To be honest, it was pretty well telegraphed that they were going to go ahead and do that. they had been talking about market expectations into the meeting and pretty much affirmed what the market had been pricing in. Its second 75 basis point hike back to back, taking the deposit rate to 1.5 percentage points. And the total amount of hikes in this hiking cycle to 200 basis points. Now, for anyone who was looking for an announcement on QT, a possible reduction of the balance sheets when it comes to the bonds sitting on the balance sheets, well, that did not happen yesterday. However, the president Lagarde did allude to a decision being made come December. There was a modification in some of the language, however, specifically because the ECB did hint at further rate hikes to come, but dropped the reference to the next several meetings. They also did say that substantial progress had been made on uh, uh, on with withdrawing some of the monetary accommodations. So those couple of lines that were included were taken to be quite dovish. I just want to mention as well that they did make an announcement on the Telcher funding. This is something that we had been talking about, about a carry arbitrage opportunity that opened up for the European banks. They're now tweaking the terms of the funding rate so that banks will no longer enjoy that carry opportunity as of November 23rd. But as for the rate outlook, during the press conference, I asked Christine Lagarde whether future hikes could actually be smaller, given we're approaching 2%, which is what they have signalled to be the neutral rate in the past. Let's take a listen.
2: It's a significant rate increase, 75 basis point, twice in a row. And we decided to do that in order to pursue the substantial progress that we have to make in order to withdraw uh, monetary policy accommodation. Our sense is that we have already made uh, significant progress. As I said, we are not done yet. There is more ground to cover. And uh, the question of what pace uh, will be, uh, what will be the magnitude of future rates will be determined meeting by meeting.
5: So the president there is saying we are not done yet, but the magnitude will be determined meeting by meeting. However, the interpretation from the market was that the ECB were leaning slightly, slightly towards that pivot that uh, other central banks seem to be going down the route of, specifically Bank of Canada. The reaction you can see euro dropped a little bit, though, of course, we did have those stronger U.S. GDP numbers that helped the dollar trading below parity now in 99.80 as for European yields well, we actually saw a very strong reaction at 10-year BTP as you can see right over there 4.02 actually ended the day yesterday 32 basis points lower perhaps some relief that they didn't announce the active QT or the uh, selling of some of the bonds. Uh, 10-year bonds, you can see at 196, also end of the day, about 13 basis points lower as well. As for the banks, on one hand, the Telcher announcement is not a good thing from a funding perspective, uh, taking away some of the easy money that they would have made, but obviously the hike in interest rates is very positive from a net interest margin perspective ending the day slightly positive, up 1.1 percentage points, as we've been talking about with all of the banks' earnings this week. uh, With Jeff and Karen, these higher interest rates are obviously very positive for the banks' earnings, and it is beginning to come through in their NIIs.
1: Just pick up on the currency with you again because we know that we're in this environment now of central bank uh, interventions in some currencies we've seen it out of japan for instance when there's been that record low on the japanese yen what do you make of any of the hints commentary yesterday from the ecb about any concerns they might have about the slippage in euro mm
5: it's funny because the uh they she was asked that question not at yesterday's press conference but in september's press conference which is around the time that euro originally broke through parity and of course being the ecb they said they never target exchange rates it's not something that they look to uh to to, to sort of um manipulate uh, quote unquote or to make any form of intervention it would be a verbal intervention but i think what she did say about the euro yesterday was interesting insofar as it's affecting their outlook on inflation And remember, Karen, yesterday they did actually mention that the risks to the upside for inflation are still there. Risks to the downside are still there for growth. And what we're going to find out in the next couple of months is how they deem those two risks, uh, the interplay between the two of them, given that inflation is still uncomfortably high per the ECB, but at the same time, the ECB is entering into a recession. And then people say, well, given that the growth outlook is so negative, no wonder that Euro really can't get a bid at this point.
0: Um, Giovanna, one, one of the interesting issues, I think, is the balance between hawks and doves at the ECB at the moment on the governing council, because my sense is that the hawks are in charge but the doves are pushing back at this stage. And I do wonder, um, in terms of how much consensus there is for this policy going forward, whether we will start to see the doves begin to get a little bit more strength in the conversation.
5: Mm, You know, I've got to say I'm kicking myself because I should have asked about whether the decision was unanimous yesterday, to your point, Jeff, But I think uh, you raise a really, really valid point, specifically because in my uh, report earlier, I was talking about their uh, removal of the line the several the next several meetings and later on in the day another news story emerged saying that it seems like not all members of the egc were actually on board with the removal of that line next several meeting indicates you know people understood it as perhaps them doing one hike maybe two hikes from here onwards but then pausing and the fact that they removed it indicates that they are possibly getting closer to the pivot the hawks weren't necessarily too happy with that, given that inflation is still sitting around 10%. So, to your point, definitely some cracks are emerging there, and that's always been the way with the ECB, let's be honest.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
5: Or join us again on this
1: show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.